And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort Donna Dort Donna Dort This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dunk This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dort I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to dunk I'm Darius Baisley and I'm down to dunk I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk This is Poku and I'm down to dunk I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm going to hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesday, is my good friend, Alex Pierce. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? It's uh, it's Wednesday. It's about to have some have about to have some more big storms here in OKC, and no, people are saying in the next sixteen minutes. So really, yeah. So if you hear my, my my uncle arrives today. Oh, <laughs> very exciting for Oklahoma City. My eighty year old uncle coming wow. into town. Nice from Philadelphia or where? Uh, he lives out in Palm Springs. Oh, nice. Very nice. But uh, if you're if you're downtown, you might see him walking around because he has a super long ponytail that goes oh, to his really? butt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that rules. That is awesome. Uh, so not a lot to talk about in the Thunder world right now. It's pretty quiet, but I have a few things that I wanted to discuss today. Uh, but first, we got to do a little tankathon spin. And before right. before we spin, I want to share with you guys. A few a few things that we've been sharing for the last few episodes. We are having a lottery party May 17th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Jones Assembly in downtown Oklahoma City. So be there or be square. You you don't want to you do not want to have the lottery happen and you be by yourself at home or be at home with people that don't understand. So join people that understand. At the Jones Assembly downtown, May seventeenth, six to nine. Uh, next, this Thursday, which is tomorrow, at Lively Beer Works, we are releasing our own down to dunk brew. It is called the Dream Scenario. The design is uh, impeccable. You can pick up cans of that tomorrow, starting at noon. And then, if you want to get a drink with the L Man and Tayshawn, you can do that seven thirty p.m. tomorrow night they will be there and you can go hang out with those guys and um buy some of uh you can buy it on tap i assume and then also buy cans of the dream scenario so please do that as well and uh we're gonna take a little little spin here the odds haven't changed everything is the same so here we go eyes closed sim lottery 
We got seven. Seven and twelve. So all right. This is a uh this is not a dream scenario. Indiana jumps up to number one. This is actually a fun a more of a funny scenario than anything because Indy one, Orlando two, New York three, New Orleans four, Houston falls to five, Detroit falls to six, OKC falls to seven, and Portland falls Man. to eight. So for all the teams that tanked this is a this is an outcome where I could see Keith Parrish just laughing, just just insanely because he thinks tanking is is wrong, and uh, results like this make you feel like tanking is is wrong. <laughs> well, that that actually uh, leads well into uh, the player I focused the most on this week, which was Keegan Murray. Keegs, uh, because. He's kind of become, you know, a little bit of a joke just because everyone knows that you and you and I don't like uh, old guys. Oldies, know? yeah, oldies. And he's gonna be—he's twenty-one on draft night, but twenty-two uh, to start his rookie season because his birthday is in August. Mm-hmm. And uh, based on largely that reason alone, I had kind of written him off. Like, hey, just let <laughs> let Indiana or the Spurs take him. Seems like a great fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I watched that video. Um, by Chip Jones, which I, I posted on my Twitter, and I highly encourage everyone to go check it out. I was watching it and like, wow, this production is so good. And then I read his bio and realized that he does all the thinking basketball videos, mm-hmm. like, he, and those get like millions of views. Yep. Um, it's it was it's just very good. And by the end of that video, I was like, oh, okay, like I get it. Mm-hmm. And I was even excited because. He's another one of these players where his weaknesses seem to be things that wouldn't matter as much on the Thunder. Yeah. Like like people are worried about his creation ability. Mm-hmm. And they and and the and I so I watch more videos after that. And people are might have a much higher upside for him when you just think of him as more of like a, a secondary or even tertiary playmaker, yeah. which he would be. They talk about like he's a guy who might need better players to get him in good spots yeah which we have on okc yep and i like a lot about him i mean you look at his stats and there's one negative thing but overall like wildly efficient yeah like wildly efficient and a shot blocker too that's the other thing like he has that combination of steals and blocks Mm -hmm. which uh draft evaluators often point to as like this is a sign that this, I mean, Matisse Thibel is like the classic example where his like steal and block percentage were like so absurd. Yeah. So you might go into Keegan Murray thinking like, oh, he's just going to be like terrible defensively. He's just like this kind of empty, kind of black hole score type of guy. But the, but those defensive stats, at least the steals and blocks, seem to project that we, we feel a little bit better about that. The one thing that I do get hung up on is the assist numbers. Yeah. He he is not a passer. No. Like like comparing him to someone like Paolo, it's like there's no comparison there. And and it feels like that is a type of player that OKC has sought, like guys who can just keep things moving. Yeah. And 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 guys who can be playmakers on their own. So that would be the one hang up. Mm-hmm. But then as I thought about it more, Andrew, I've kind of I've kind of <laughs> on come... the other hand. <laughs> yeah, this that's a terrible thing about these these videos. They get you very excited and then you start diving a little bit deeper. And now I start to wonder like, okay, what is his actual upside? 
Yeah. Because you watch some of these videos, the thing they get really excited about is his post game. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, he has a super efficient post game. And it's like, okay, well, who, who are the teams really going to let him have that type of usage in the post? Probably not. Probably not. And more importantly, I was on Blazer's Edge and they did a little scouting report. And his two point percentage when he went against like the top, the tier A Ken Palm teams, mm -hmm. like it, it tanked. Yeah. Like he, he, he was like super efficient when it was just kind of run of the mill teams. And then when he played the best teams, it was down like around 50% for his two point percentage, mm -hmm. which is low for a guy who I think shot around the rim, like over 70%. Mm -hmm. um, so again, super impressive statistical year. Yeah. And I wouldn't even have thought about him until Sam Bassini, like he's been just creeping him up higher and higher and higher. I know. And his last like mock draft that he and Penny did, he went, did he go five? Just like easy. I think like, so. Yeah. I and I think on his big board, he's at Four or five, yeah. I think he's probably at five. And, I mean, the thing just, like he was easily the most productive college player, like period. Yeah, the end. Yeah. So, and then the other thing that that does worry me a little bit is the shooting, because this isn't a guy who's just been a good shooter his whole career, right? His his freshman year at Iowa, he shot under thirty percent from three, mm -hmm. and then he just had this explosion this year where he shot close to five three-point attempts per game mm -hmm. and shot like 40 percent mm -hmm. and again it's one of those things where if you're just looking at the stats from this year it's like what where where is his weakness offensively like you, you just slot him in mm -hmm. but if you do have a concern about his shooting which some of the evaluators that i was you know watching their videos did mm -hmm. then it gets like much more dicey to me because now it's like this guy whose game is built on this super efficient post game that i question yeah and then does he even have the three-point shot to fall back on? Or is this a Davion Mitchell situation who didn't shoot his first two years in college and then all of a sudden shot 44% from three mm -hmm. in his final year and then came into the NBA and shot like 31%. Yeah. So, uh, but the reason I think this is a good jumping off point is because if we do fall to seven mm -hmm. and 12, that is about the range around seven where I'd start feeling comfortable just because I don't really love this, the draft beyond like those top five or six picks. Yeah. I, I mean, if you were given the choice between Keegan and AJ Griffin, if that, if that were, if that were your choice, those are your choices. Who would you choose? Yeah. See that. See, and that's why this is like the cutoff for me because I feel like AJ Griffin is one of those where I, it's easier for me to buy into the upside. He's three, three, three full years younger than younger, Keegan. Yeah, three. I, right now, he would be in that top six for me. So it's like once Shaden's gone, once mm -hmm. Ivy's gone, once Griffin's gone, and the, and obviously the top the top three guys. Yeah, yeah. Once they're gone, then I'm like open for business. Yeah. You can convince me on anyone, and that's where like the upside argument against Keegan Murray. Mm -hmm. If that is a legitimate argument, mm -hmm. I don't care as much about because yeah. I just there's no one at that seven spot that I'm like in love with yet. Yeah, I think Keegan will be a good pro. I think he's gonna be productive. I think he's gonna be a play finisher. The thing is that like the, the question you have to ask yourself is like, what does Paulo Bancaro look like when he's in t in two years? What does Paulo Bancaro look like? 
if you played, in college if you played college <laughs> basketball you know yeah. where it'd be like holy yeah. smokes like he's gonna he would average 30 12 and 7 you know yeah and so that's where like the upside thing is uh McKelly and i did a breakdown of keegan murray for um thunder after dark nba draft series that will drop tomorrow so look for that. Oh, no we, spoilers. No spoilers. We give a, about a 20-minute breakdown of Keegan, uh, including he's a twin, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. When I was Googling him, this other Murray name kept popping up. Chris, like, they look guy? exactly the same. I mean, just... Well, what's the, what's the deal with Chris? Exactly the same. He is just, he any good? He just kind of sucks. Yeah, no. No, no, no. Too no. Bad. no, no, no. Um, hey, but, won it too though. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. The twins making it to the NBA. <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll make another. Maybe he'll make a jump next year. Maybe it's Chris's turn next year. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. So at that hard. seven spot, I mean, is there anyone you love? Like, assume those names that we just talked about are off the board. And if, you're at if AJ's seven. off the board, and Keegan's off the board, let's say like top no, seven. No, if Keegan was there, you would just you would just take him. Is he? Would he be your number one choice? I don't know. Nope. I need to watch more Johnny Davis before I say yes to that. Yeah. Um. And then, like, I need to watch more Matherin too. Like, I haven't watched those two in detail yet. Um. You know what's interesting? Because Matherin's so it, six seven. That's a that's a, like a shooter. That's six foot seven. He had a really really productive end of his season. Um. I wonder about him a little bit too. Somebody that we haven't really given up. I I haven't given like a like a really detailed look at him yet, and I will soon. Um, but he's one that I'm curious. I'm curious about. Maybe another way to frame this is: on the one hand, it's entirely possible that Keegan Murray isn't even there at seven. Yeah, he could he, go. He could go at five. If the Pacers are there at five or six, I just fully expect yeah. the Pacers to take him. He is like he has Pacer written all over him. And he kind of makes sense for a team that doesn't really want to rebuild. Mm-hmm. I mean, they drafted a 24-year-old rookie last year. Yeah. Like, th- their timeline is a little bit ahead of the Thunder and other- some of these other young teams. But, okay, let's say that uh, we get to seven. Mm-hmm. We-, we fall to seven. Yeah. And Keegan Murray is there. Mm-hmm. And Shaden Sharp's off the board. A.J. Griffin's off the board. Mm-hmm. Out of those next like five guys, now my question is like, who's least likely to be there at twelve? And I do feel like it's Keegan Murray. Like I don't think Keegan Murray's falling to twelve. No. Whereas like someone like Tari Eason, Eason or could, even Eason could fall much further than that. Like Eason, yeah, Johnny Eason. Davis, I could see like showing up at twelve. Dyson Daniels could be there at twelve. Jalen yeah. Duran could yeah, be yeah. there at twelve. Yeah, yeah. So thinking obviously that's not like how you should pick a guy, <laughs> but. They do have these two picks mm-hmm. sandwiched very close together. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to use both of them, obviously you're going to take the guy at seven that you are most confident isn't going to be there at 12. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, if you at, could get other, like we've... Keegan Murray and Dyson Daniels, like those two. Yeah. Um, I don't know where Sohan's going to be. Like if Sohan's available at 12, I know there's, a, there's people that don't like him. I'm like, I really like him. He's really good. I think he's going to be awesome. And he's super young. He's like, he's, he's going to be a four in the NBA. Probably. Um, he can facilitate on the offensive end, like really good passer. The shooting is questionable, 
but the defense is ridiculous. The physicality is awesome. Uh, now, now a common uh, a thing I've heard, uh, Andrew, I've mm-hmm. read about him is uh, from SportsFan405 on Twitter. It says, why is this not just uh, the next base? He just plays with – he has like oh, – the motor is just so different. Like compared to Baisley, where with Baisley, it feels like you almost like have to talk him into, you know, playing hard at times. Where with Sohan, like he just has, he's got like the Dort motor. Oh, wow, the Dort motor. So he's just like going. Like, I mean, uh, Mark Degnall always talks about how like Dort basically like almost like blacks out when he's out there playing. Like he's just in the game. Like he's just like so dangerous. fully so dangerous. engaged in the game. Where with Baisley, like he kind of floats in and out. Um, if Bays, like if Darius and McKelly and I talked about it on Monday, where McKelly is just like not a believer in Darius Baisley, um, and it's because like he he is not physical at all. Yeah, like McKelly, it's funny. McKelly thinks that like the uh, the more blocks than fouls thing is like a farce. Almost. <laughs> that's like his like Russell Westbrook triple doubles thing. That's yeah. the thing that he's anti. <laughs> yeah. He thinks that it's just he he's like, yeah, whatever. Like that's he doesn't he's not impressed at all by that. Um, which I kinda love. <laughs> Cause I am I'm still impressed by it. I still think it's pretty a pretty cool thing. Um but like Sohan is like I don't think that you would worry about that. I don't the, like reasons that he is like New Age Thunder is that he can handle and he can pass, but he doesn't shoot it, which just it create it creates a lot of more it creates more problems for you. Like if if Jeremy Sohan's like one of your top like four best players to pair with a guy like Josh Giddy, and you're like, oh man, like Josh Josh deserves better on offense than a guy like this. Yeah, but I do like him. I think he's really fun. So if you could get like a if you could get a knockdown shooter on the wing, like if you like if you think Matherin's gonna be like this knockdown crazy shooter, like if you got Matherin at seven and Sohan at twelve, like that would be really interesting. Because I think like to me, if any if the playoffs is teaching us anything, like you you wanna be as versatile and switchy as possible. I mean, you take a look at what Boston is doing. Like Boston's able to handle so much because they can just switch on defense all the time, you know, and they are extremely versatile offensively. And like versatility is like the new thing. And that's where you look at Utah. And it's like, what killed Utah? Well, like they had no versatility, like none. And also like the spirit of their team was dead, <laughs> which is, yeah. which is a problem, but having no versatility like you, you can't function in the playoffs as a team if you're not versatile, and so that's where, like, I think Sohan could play like small ball five at times. He could play four. I think he could slide up to three. Like he's incredibly versatile. Um, so, yeah, that's where like having pick twelve like gets you kind of excited. Dyson Daniels, I think, is going to be really versatile as well. He's way skinnier and it's going to take more time to get there. But you know, like to me, I, I that's where I'm. Like I like the idea of Jalen Duran, but he's like locked into the center position. He's like center only, and you have to believe that he's going to be a high level guy to take him. 
Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel that way as I've gone further into this, basically about all of the centers. Um, like mm-hmm. when I when I'm watching one of these things and anyone like even mentions like he's going to be a really good regular season center. Yeah, it's like I'm that's that's a death knell, Andrew. I know. If I hear that, I know. I, I was reading I was reading something about Walker Kessler and they were like, Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, I think I think he'll be a really good regular season center. It's like. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's value in those guys in the regular season, Mm -hmm. but what you mentioned about versatility—it's like if you can get a guy who's more versatile, why not just do that? Mm -hmm. Like, is Walker Kessler so good? Is he going to be so good as kind of like a traditional center that you're (laughs) going to get excited about that? Like the Bucks can play Brook Lopez because they have Giannis, like. Brooke Lopez doesn't play on, doesn't play like big minutes for a lot of teams. But because you have this roaming seven footer who can just clean up everything, like, sure, you can play Brooke Lopez. You can play this big jumbo lineup and function just fine. Yeah, but, honestly, with that, it, it's more surprising that the, the Portis part of it, like the fact that they can get away playing Portis, Giannis. And Brook Lopez. They kind of have to play Portis, though, because they, they need buckets. Impressive. Yeah, they need buckets. I mean, and it's all Giannis at that point, so we can't. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, they got, I mean, the, and they the got killed thing, last though, night, so it's, like, you know, yeah. it's not perfect. The other thing is that Brook Lopez shoots threes, takes and makes them. Yeah. Which, yeah. That, that's super important, too, for one of those types of centers. Exactly. That's where, like, um, Jalen Dern and Mark Williams, it's like, like, yeah, they're good, productive. Do the Thunder have a guy like that? No, but ugh, I don't know. Like, I need, I need some, I need some versatility. That's where the guys at the top are. Just that's where they're like so intriguing because like Paolo, Jabari, Chet are all like, oh gosh, like yeah, like the fully actualized version of all three of those guys will not yeah, get played it- off the floor at all. Like they all can play four and five. It's like yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I don't know if there'd be a worse feeling than like you draft this team and this is going to happen to some extent anyways, but then when you make it to the playoffs, you find that like one or two of the guys is just not playoff material. I know. Like it just can't hold up in the playoffs. That that would be my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get so excited about this run to the playoffs, and then you get there and it's like, can't play whoever it is. It, and that will happen with some with with some. I mean, guys. it could happen with Trey Mann. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that happened with Jeremy Lamb. When we got to the playoffs, it's like, oh yeah, shelf that guy. He's he is <laughs> yeah. not touching the floor in the playoffs at all. That happened with Cameron Payne. We drafted Cameron Payne at fourteen, and then you get to the playoffs, and it's like, oh nope, 
Mm-mm. Like he can't, he cannot play. And it took him years and a tr- and a trip yeah. down to the G League <laughs> to be able to figure it out. But yeah, that's and I I worry a little bit just about Giddy a little bit as a defender in the playoffs. Like, what does that look like? Um, yeah, I think the thing that you feel better about with him in comparison to Trey Mann is like it just seems like the frame is the frame such is that he he has room to grow into it. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at Trey and you do worry, like, is this dude just going to be like, he's obviously going to be super skinny his whole career, but like mm-hmm. how skinny is he going to be? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. And also with Giddy, like the competitive nature that he has as well is where I'm, where I worry less, you know? Cause he's not like, if he was like yeah. more nonchalant, like, ah, I'm not going to like, whatever. Like I'm just playing basketball. Like, no, like he like wants to win. And I think as he gets older and more confident and more, I guess, more of a seasoned veteran, like you're going to start hearing more smack talk come from this guy. And he's, I think people are going to absolutely love it whenever he starts, his personality like starts to blossom a little bit as a pro. Because last year he, he held back a lot. Because even in the NBL, in his last season at the NBL, he was like the man and carried himself that way and like to the point where i was like kind of like okay like he's he might come in and like try to like control everything because he's just that guy uh yeah. but he wasn't that way like, he was very very much controlled and i just i i can see him like growing and becoming like this guy that just has a, a much bigger personality than what he had this past season so going back to the the draft real quick, it does kind of feel right now, of course, we're like almost two months away from the draft. I guess a month and three weeks. It does feel like there's a tier going down to seven that we just discussed. If if you believe in Keegan Murray, if you believe in, you know, the fact that Sam Vecini has him five on his big board. It feels like there might be a tier that goes down to seven. That includes like AJ Griffin, Shaden Sharp, mm-hmm. Jaden Ivey, and then the three bigs. Like, does, does it feel that way to you? Who outside of that seven do you think, or is it more of? Does it feel more like a six? Um, it's just so difficult to say at this point, to be honest. And it it is like beauty in the eye of the beholder situation with this whole draft. It feels like because. Like Penny thinks that Johnny Davis is going to be a top four player in this draft when it's all said and done. Yes, I'm aware of that. And so I don't know what to do with that yet. I don't either. Uh, It stresses me out that he keep that that he loves him so much. Because like, and I like really value Penny's opinion because he watches a ton of tape and watches a ton of young guys and is so plugged in to what's going on with everything because yeah. he I mean he had Franz Wagner as a top five pick last year and that felt like oh that feels like a reach and then you get to the end of the season you're like man like Orlando got lucky that they got him and Suggs but you could flip flop those today <laughs> you know yeah for sure um so I really trust his opinion there so it's hard for it's I don't I don't know. I don't know what that next I think the next tier could be from 
five to ten, you know. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't know because I I feel like guys like Dyson Daniels and Sohan and even like EJ Liddell are like slowly like climbing the draft boards, and I've seen like wild swings from like. Nikola Jovic, like I don't know what people where people have like people. Some people have him in their their top ten, and some people think that he's like the he's barely a first round pick, and like I don't know. There's there's just a a wild range of who goes where, and it's to me, I think it could like end up being like one of the most like unpredictable drafts in a long time. Um, yeah, I almost feel like I'm reading too much positivity right now uh, from from the sources there's that I good read. play like there are good players in this draft like i feel confident about that like i've watched several of these guys and feel like oh yeah like they're like they're good like they're going they're going to be good they all have question marks every single one of them have question marks but there's a lot of there's going to be good players in this draft there's no doubt but like Jaden ivy like if you think of Jaden Ivey jump, I I just can't imagine thinking that Jaden Ivey could go over one of the top three bigs. Like I just after watching him, I'm just like I just I don't know that I see it. Um, yeah, who who would even be the team? They'd probably like jump to three ish because it it feels like the the bad teams that OKC included would all prefer one of those big guys. Yeah, I if if they could. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that would be because like Washington, maybe if Washington yeah. jumped Washington, New York, the Knicks could be one. Cool. Oh yeah. We're the Clippers. <laughs> we are the Clippers. Yeah. We are the Clippers. Um, the, I don't know what the magic are going to do, but if I'm the magic, you have to take BPA. Like you just have to don't, don't, don't think that you're set. I don't think the Magic are set at any position, like zero positions. <laughs> I would say don't, don't, don't not select one of those three guys and take Ivy because you feel like you're set at the big position. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it because of Wendell Carter. Like, don't, don't do that. Man, if Cleveland jumped up, that would be an Ivy team. Then maybe you're like, oh, maybe we don't have to pay Sexton. Yeah, get your call Sexton. Yeah. They would be that would be one where you're like, okay, we are set at the bigs. We have literally we have two all star bigs. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one I would trade if I were them. I'd trade back. You know, um, have you been have you been following the the Kings coaching uh, hire? Yeah, it's like the most <laughs> Kings coaching search ever. You know what's so strange? You know that article came out sec B about the Presty thing. Yeah. How he like Yeah, yeah. So so clearly Vivek is a guy who cares what other people's what other people think. Oh yeah, baby. And yet <laughs> and yet he so and yet the coaching candidates came down to like the three most uninspiring for the majority of fans, the three most uninspiring choices you can make. Like when that when that report came out yeah. from Shams and Woj, like it was just ninety five percent negative from the Kings fan base. Like, even if you can talk, like, I think of those three, Mike Brown would be the obvious choice. Yeah. Because he's eight years younger than Steve Clifford. He's five years younger than Mark Jackson. He really doesn't have a ton of baggage. Mm -hmm. He is a, he's a current head coach. He's 
coach of the Nigerian national team. He's been he's like a well respected guy, and like so, like I could talk myself into Mike Brown, but still, even it's like if the they ultimate retread, though. It's like we've been here before. What is Mike Brown going to do to the culture of the Kings? Like we know, like give me a break. Well, well but on the other hand, like we know no matter what, and and <laughs> and, and this That's this true. is what's super depressing because there were I think it was in Jake Fisher's article about it. He basically said, like, if they don't make the playoffs this year, like, it's going to be Monty McNair Mm -hmm. as the guy to fall. Mm -hmm. So they're just restarting the cycle. So, like, we know whoever they pick, whether it's a retread or a young guy, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Like, what would you put the percentage chance of the Kings making the playoffs next season? I would say under 10. Yeah. Probably under 10, given how strong the West is. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. I mean, they would have to. They would have to, like, Maybe I mean maybe if they if their pick moved up and they got like Paolo. Actually, or, if they got Chet with uh, Sabonis, I think Jabari with Sabonis would be kind of awesome. Yeah, like if they could do that, then. But Jabari's so young. I don't know. That would that would so, almost make me think they would have less of a chance of making the playoffs. To be honest, so it's likely that they're not going to make the playoffs. I think even Kings fans obviously would agree with that. And that means you're getting to the end of next season. Now you're firing your GM, bringing in a new GM who didn't get to pick the coach that you're about to pick that no one likes already and that we are already <laughs> far foreseeing isn't going to dramatically change the Kings' future. It's just, like, so depressing. And I just don't understand how this guy cares so much about what other people think based on reports. Yeah. But then does these moves that, like, no one likes, mm-hmm. that doesn't get anyone excited. <laughs> and i just i just don't get it. it it always it just feels like everything the kings do they're they're like looking in the past yeah like with with, with one of these guys it's like we're hiring him because he was mark jackson was on the staff with the warriors when vivek was a minority owner right and he like feels good about that right or whatever or you're looking to the past with like a 60 year old steve clifford like I get that he had some like he's again w- well respected had some good defensive teams but like capped out at basically putting like 500 teams on the floor and th- and that feels like the ceiling for this <laughs> Kings team anyways like it just feels like everything they're doing is shooting so low it's so depressing that's where they're I shooting would... for like the 10th seed with all of these decisions and that's why yeah. I just hate it all yeah and that's and that's where like if they did hire like Darvin Ham or somebody you know they wouldn't give him the chance to really make it, you know. Right. It, they would if, fire if was, him before, you know. If he if he like missed the playoffs for two seasons in a row, but the players really like him, they're like, "Sorry, you didn't have the results. You're gone." And that's just like the way of the Kings is they just fi- like they just fire their coach. Like that's how they that's how they function. That's also how they have stayed on this like treadmill of like less than mediocrity, is that they they don't give their coaches time. They don't give their GMs time. They don't, I guess, I mean, they did give Vlade a lot of time. He just screwed up everything. <laughs> Maybe that was part of their problem. Yeah, too much time. Yeah, it's, they're, the problem, and it comes down to, like, what Sam was saying, at, you know, at the beginning of his presser about, like, not watching the clock. Is that, like, the Kings exclusively watch the clock. Like, that's. And, and to be fair, like, any team, that had missed the playoffs 16 straight years is going to feel some pressure 
and be watching the clock. Well, they feel the pressure, be, but they also, the reason that they're in this position is because they had been watching the clock. And now they, I mean, they, they are, they are the epitome of the, uh, trying to do a quick fix takes a really long time. Yes. Quote from Sam. And they push the friggin' button every six months. It feels like they're, they're in a constant state of trying to catch lightning in a bottle. <laughs> But they're like blindfolded, just like wandering around the yard with the jar, just trying their best. They're just hoping to just nail it randomly. Oh my gosh. It's so true. It's it's, it's so annoying. And that's and, I, and that's where like when people say like I've heard people say things like the thunder are like the like they're turning into the kings or whatever. It's like you don't you're not paying attention if you think that. Or like oh, the kings at this point are like the their own thing. They're yeah. they're honestly like a remnant of the old NBA because in the past there were more NBA teams who were like this. Mm-hmm. And as teams have gotten smarter, the number of obvious teams that are just dumb mm-hmm. over and over again has really shrunk. Yeah. And and so the That's Kings true. are like this last <laughs> bastion of the old style like atrocious GM summit that uh that Bill Simmons used to write. But I'm going to be really interested because the report is out there now that like Mark Jackson is Vivek's choice. Yeah. Mike Brown is the GM's choice. So if they go with Mark Jackson, we'll all know why. <laughs> and that should completely invalidate any positive feelings you have about Monty McNair and what he might be able to do this summer. Yeah, exactly. Like it should be everything should be over at that point. Any any like glimmer of hope you might have had. Yeah. Because that would like be the nail in the coffin. Like it's still Vivek. He's still not letting these guys do their job. Right. Is there anybody on their roster that you like that you would like to pluck off their roster? <sighs> Plucking a Kings player. Let's go look at the Kings. Honestly, roster. like my answer is no. Like just like a flat out no. No, thank you. Yeah, no one jumps out. <laughs> I, I, I mean, so obviously, sad. you're not going to take De'Aaron Fox. More of a fit issue. Like I feel better about both. Yeah, 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 Shea. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no and then Sabonis, like, I, I know there obviously are big fans of Sabonis, but I think he would introduce, like, he would compound some of their current issues. And they're not trading with, Sabonis. They just got him. Right, right. They're not trading. Although he's up for an extension next year, and if they have a bad year, and what if he doesn't sign he's the extension? Getting, he's getting one. Yeah, he'll sign it. Uh, But, yeah, other than that, like, I don't have anyone that I'm – I know. Well, this, is a, this is a really bad roster. It's really, really bad. It's it is like shockingly bad. Where, where I'm like, man, I I kind of like what Chimezi Metu did this past year. <laughs> you know, this, this is a good example of like how differently you, would you feel about some of these guys if they were on another team? Mm-hmm. Like, put Harrison Barnes on just like any playoff team, and yeah. you're like, oh, there's Harrison Barnes. Feeling yeah. good about him. Yeah. I might even feel that way. Like, uh, who knows? Because he came back from injury. But like Jeremy Lamb, I'd like to see Jeremy Lamb on sure. another team. Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, he's good. Like it, Rashawn Holmes is good. There's like a king's tax against these guys, at least in how we think of them. Yeah. Yeah. Harrison Barnes played 2,500 minutes for the Kings last year. That's just kind of is wild to me. You know he's making a lot of money, but he is he's putting good. in the time. Yeah, he he is he is the reason that they won thirty games last year. He's largely been reliable. Yeah, 
He's, and it's funny because he's one like the reason that they're pulled to the middle. He's the reason why they won't get a good pick in this draft. Yeah, you know, because they've one of the big ones. They refuse to trade him. It's just, (sighs) yeah. Well, maybe they'll get lucky, Andrew. Maybe they'll jump up and they'll ruin a player. (laughs) Maybe they'll jump up. I do. I do like the idea of Chet, though. If if you end the season, Chet and Sabonis. Yeah, that's that's something. Yeah, they would. That's interesting. They would not. They would not do good things with Chet. They would Marvin. Keegan Murray kind of. They would Marvin. I mean, that kind of chat. Would Keegan Murray be? That would be pretty replicative with Harrison Barnes. Yeah, yeah. They're they're a similar kind of player. They're a similar kind of player. Where I could see Keegan being as good as a Harrison Barnes type of yeah level of player. Yeah, the comp I I heard the most was Tobias Harris for for Keegan. It's spooky. It's a spooky comp. Spooky comp. He's really good. If you get, just randomly got that player at the tenth pick in an average draft, you'd actually feel good about it you until feel, the point where you're paying them a max deal. I was gonna say that's where that's where you get that's where it gets messy. Is that because he's so productive? And yeah, because another that's what, team that, paying like that's the reason why you don't want those guys. Like that's like that's the exact reason that you don't want those guys. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break. Right after this, uh, we're going to talk about the future of the Thunder. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back after that quick break. Um, Al, so in 2023, everybody's kind of got that year circled. Sam um, more than hinted at that being the... uh, the year where it seems like the Thunder would be willing to start pressing the friggin' button is in summer is 2023. He, he didn't say that. He didn't <laughs> say those exact words, but it sure felt like it. Um, so there's a lot of, there's several reasons why. Like one is that they will be very flexible that summer financially. That like Kimball Walker deal will be gone. The Derek Favors deal will be gone. You don't, I, 
would be surprised if they re-upped with Dort and Baisley by that time. That That's when they will make those decisions. Uh, and really the only big contract you have on your books is Shea's big, big deal. And so you have the flexibility to go do a lot of things. You can make trades, you can you know, absorb contracts, you can do whatever you want to do at that time. You can pay Dort, whatever you want to do. So that's like to me that's one of the big reasons and it's and it's no coincidence that they have lined that they have set themselves up for that. Because like they could have stretched out Kemba Walker's deal to make it more palatable over the next few years. They opted not to because of this, because of twenty three. Uh and it's also because the new CBA is gonna be ratified. Hopefully there's no lockout or anything like that, and they can just move forward and make some changes and to me, it's it's like less about trying to forecast what the tra- what the changes will be with the CBA, and more looking back at like how did changes to the rules of the collective bargaining agreement hurt the Thunder in the past, you know? And so, like looking back, it's like the Rose Rule with Russ being enacted, where like suddenly this pl- like you had to pay this player you know, a lot more because he was awesome. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> like, we get punished because, like, our our cap gets punished, basically, because we did such a good job of selecting somebody in the draft. Uh, they retroactively changed Kevin Durant's contract during, like, while they, like, after he had signed it. And that, like, screwed the Thunder's books. Um, they, and, they, and they eventually reimbursed them. Eventually, yeah, they had to because they threw such a big fit. Now, twenty the twenty sixteen cap the the they didn't smooth the cap in twenty sixteen, so it went from sixty six million dollars for the cap to ninety, just like that. Where it was like there were a few suitors for Kevin Durant because they could get enough money scrounged up to everybody's a suitor for Kevin Durant. It doesn't matter who you are because the cap jumps so significantly. And, you know, that if that hadn't been done, like things would could things would be very different. I mean, he may have just signed back with the Thunder. They enacted the Supermax after Durant left. So that that would I mean, Durant could have signed, could have extended the year prior, in which he seemed to be like way more amenable to like staying with the thunder then than he was the year after but that kind of bit them and then the pandemic hits and they opted to smooth the cap to help teams instead so it's just like over and over again the thunder just just felt like they were just being screwed over and over and over again I mean, it's just, it's kind of funny. Like, during the times where the Thunder were really good, you think about like revenue sharing and how the Thunder were a tax team for a long time. Like, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder at the time were paying the Brooklyn Nets money. Like, just like think about that, like the system in yeah. place for the Thunder. It's just, it is, it is pretty wild. And then once the, the repeater tax was changed too. Like right before they were about to sign James Harden, where it was way more punitive. It was like dollar for dollar, and then they increased it. And 
like you go to your owner who's who is like this ownership group in Oklahoma City who are like fairly new NBA owners. And they're like, yeah, we need you to fork over a ton more money. And it's just not as palatable here to be able to do that. And so those are like all the reasons why you would be, especially if you're going to an ownership group in Oklahoma City, going to a team that's going to be in Oklahoma City, like you want to be able to explain exactly how things are going to unfold or at least close to how things are going to unfold with your team financially. Whereas in the past, it was like things just like kept coming up over and over and over and over again that really put the Thunder in a really tough spot. And so the reason why, those are the reasons why you want to wait for 23. And now there could be things that are helpful for the Thunder, like the pay-for-play stuff with Ben Simmons. Like that's obviously something that I will at least be discussed where like you if if that's discussed seriously that it'll there'll be a lockout. I would be surprised if there if it didn't happen. I would be surprised. And there would have to be like there would have to be like injury like legitimate injury stipulations and But that's the thing like Ben Simmons can just say I have a legitimate injury. Like the, the, if if there's yeah. exceptions you're just going to be able to find loopholes. Yeah. That's true. I just I think we can all agree that Ben Simmons not playing the entire season is pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a good situation for the league, but I I don't know how you solve it without having a lockout. I, then I would project there will be some kind of lockout in 2023. Don't I you mean, think? it's... it's uh, yeah. Because I don't know... That yeah, I know. do. I mean, I just don't know that the owners are going to be like, yeah, that was fine. And, and maybe if like Ben Simmons plays all of next season and things look better and the situation isn't weird anymore, like maybe, maybe there, maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe people forget about it, but I mean, it, it'll, it'll be a top three story on opening night or whenever the Nets first play. Yeah. If yeah. if he, if he's not playing on opening night, I mean, can you imagine? Actually, I can <laughs> definitely imagine <laughs> that oh. scenario. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I well, go listen to the Glue Guys podcast because they yeah. broke down the Ben Simmons situation and and kind of dispelled some of the common myths, like the idea that this is good for Clutch in any way or that Clutch is orchestrating this. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense when you dig into it. Like this doesn't make Clutch look good. It doesn't no. help Clutch. It makes everybody in everybody any way. looks bad. The Nets look bad. Yeah. Ben Simmons looks bad. Clutch looks bad. Everybody, everybody looks. Everybody looks like they've mismanaged it. Yeah. Um, so I just, but yeah, I just want to be aware the, of like why, why would Sam talk about the CBA? Like why would he say it? Well, it's because of all those things. Again, it's like the Rose Rule with Russ being enacted, them changing Kevin Durant's contract, not smoothing the 2016 cap smoothing the cap at the pandemic, the revenue sharing deal, the repeater tax being enacted with James Harden. All these things happened after the Thunder were trying to make, either after they made decisions already, what they were going to do with players, or it affected the decisions that they had to make like right then. 
And so like those are like those are all the reasons why you want to know like what are the rules. Like that's why you want to know what the rules are because if you start making decisions today on your roster and you become less flexible in 23, well crap, like maybe we can't bring back Lou Dort. Or maybe we can't like there's there could be a lot of things that could prevent this team from building the way they want to. And so that's why I fully expect them to just stay like crazy flexible for 23, see what the rules are, and then start making real decisions. And the big difference, and this is a, a lucky and unlucky thing, is they don't have a James Harden or Westbrook or Kevin Durant who's coming up for a contract like right now. No, like, they yeah, have guys exactly. like Dort and Baisley who, you know, your your feelings on them may vary, but those aren't like star players that you have to lock down. Absolutely, no I, doubt about it. Them competing for a title is not hinging on a Darius Baisley Lou Dort contract. We can just say right. that definitively. And so and so they can wait, and so they have they have like flexibility in pursuit of this flexibility because if they did have someone like Shea, who is coming up for a contract right now, mm-hmm. they would still sign them. They just yeah. did it, you know, a year yeah. ago or whenever. Yeah. Like you still lock in those players regardless of what the CBA is going to do. Yeah. And that's where they got into so much trouble, even though it was, you know, lucky that they had all those players at one time. Yeah. It's good that they had all those players. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's just like building on the margins after that, like going and getting a a wing or whatever and spending the money on somebody else is where it became more difficult. Yeah. Because like the money that they would have allocated for those spots were being taken up by retroactive moves by the league, and you just don't want to find yourself in that spot again. Like that's and that's that's why. I mean that's that's why like twenty three is so important um, to this organization, and also like you just want another bite at the apple in the draft. Like you just you just do whether that whether they have good odds or not next season. Like you want to have at least another lottery pick before you're ready to go, because like we like the exercise that we had at the beginning of this podcast, like you could land a seven and twelve, like very easily, and then like are you feeling real good about that team, like as a competitive team? And I think the answer is like no, not yet, and so you need you need one you need another, whether that's just an, like another seventh pick, you know, even just getting the seventh pick again or the sixth pick again would be very helpful in comparison to like trying to make the plan. And like next, if next year your best pick that you get is 12th or 13th or 14th, like then you are like really kind of screwed <laughs> in my opinion. So like, that's where you're like, okay, just hold, hold back for one more year so you can at least get another good player in and maybe maybe it's not necessarily to be on the thunder because there's a chance that they get you know 7 and 12 and then 6 again next year but they take you know two of those players with picks and trade for you know a player you know that's where you're just like loading up assets and players and not necessarily if if you don't you know strike gold and get the first pick or you 
get like the Damian Lillard of that draft or the Giannis or whoever, you know, later in the draft, if you don't do that, like you at least have a ton of young guys, a ton of draft picks and options for if a young, young ish player says I want out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I remember we were talking about the Dort contract options back in like February and you were very convinced they were just going to let it play out to unrestricted free agency. And it just didn't feel like the way they'd operated in the past because mm-hmm. they don't usually don't like letting guys get that far. But after Sam's presser, it seems like like the obvious choice. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. He he downplayed the significance of those of the contract extensions with those two. Yeah. <laughs> he made it very clear that it's just like, honestly, it's not that important. It's really not because I mean, the, where the thunder are headed, those two deals are just not that important. You know, where they want to be is, is going to be propelled by Shay and Giddy and whoever they select in high in this draft and whoever they select high in the next draft. Like that's that's how this thing will be propelled and then they will have options to you know they they will continue developing everybody on the roster. If somebody pops up as like a clear like rotation player that can play in the playoffs or whatever, like great, step on up. If not, they have so many picks to fill out the roster. You know, whereas last go around they really didn't yeah like they like now like they've got the picks i remember remember when they traded for Dion waiters and it was like oh my gosh like this team has no picks and they're trading their pick for Dion waiters what are we <laughs> doing here you know or so but if they pick, used one pick to get a player like Dion, you'd be like okay fine like whatever like if they think he's a rotation player like who cares like they've got a zillion picks still so it's a uh, It'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but my expectation is that like things are pretty quiet up until twenty three, and then I think once the CBA is ratified, you can see them start to push some of those buttons and try to improve the team and maybe you know use some of the players or picks or whatever to to bring in somebody that makes a little bit more sense. Long. I also think we haven't even mentioned expansion, but like that's going to affect it as well because yeah. If expansion happens in the next couple of years and you're having two or you're having an expansion draft, but for two teams, I'm interested what the rules are going to be. Because the last time they had an expansion team was Charlotte Mm -hmm. and it was only one team and you protected seven and Charlotte could only take a max of one player from your team. Yeah. If it's two teams, can they take up to two? Because after this draft, we're going to have more than seven players that we are invested in. Yeah, I think now it's not that hard to project who you'd want to keep in your right, top seven. Yeah. But after this draft, if they took if they take four guys in this draft, um, it becomes kind of difficult. <laughs> that that would oh my god, like the just the podcast though. I mean, it oh would kind of suck losing a couple guys, but we would the team would actually explicitly have to tell us how they rank players. I know which that in and of itself would be very fun. It'd be awesome. interesting. Like Shay, Giddy, Dort, Trey man. We only have three more slots. Poku. 
<laughs> wow, he's making your your top seven. Yeah, sure. Poku. Um, two more slots. And it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't figure out who we're going to choose. Probably Jeremiah. Yeah, and... Uh, you got one more. Kenrich? You protect sure. Kenrich? So, so now, fast forward two months, and now you're adding in a, like the sixth pick, the 12th pick, another yeah. first rounder, the 30th pick, if they take them all. So you're having to bump three people off of that list, potentially. Like, There's a chance that Poker or Trey Mann would be a part of the expansion draft. I know. That's so wild. Or Keegan That's, Murray. That would be very fun. Miserable. I mean, but I was going to say, <laughs> your definition of fun is uh, a little maybe. Well, different. because I think, uh, oh, yeah, the, the Kraken, the Seattle Kraken, they're like the new NHL expansion team. Yeah, yeah. And when that draft was going on, I just wanted to understand like anything like about the, the NHL because it looks so it. much fun. Yeah, yeah. But of course they're drafting guys, and I'm like, I don't know if that's <laughs> interesting or not. But this is fun. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's uh, gosh, it'd be so um, interesting. Uh, Hoopsock sixty nine. You definitely protect man over Dort, right? You don't have to make the decision. Hoopsock sixty nine. Not now. But let's say you did. What if it came down to it? A hypothetical scenario. Sam Presti knocks on your door. Alex, I have nope, nope, nope. I have a dilemma. Yeah. I have to choose one of these guys for the expansion draft and I can't decide who and I just need you to decide. I'm going to I'm going to let it I'm just going to let you decide and you can we'll just let it all go. Man or Well, Dort. here's the deal. Man or if Dort. you oh, by that time, Dort's going to have a new contract. Yeah. And that's going to significantly sway how you feel about this because if he ends up getting 20 million a year, which seems crazy right now, mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I think you protect man because guess what? I don't know if another team's going to take Dort at 20 million a year and be like thrilled about it. Maybe they do, but may- maybe they wouldn't. Yeah. And so you'd, you'd feel safer with it. If Dort's on a super reasonable contract making like 12 to 15, then I think you have to protect Dort because yeah. he would definitely get taken in that scenario. Yeah. We also, this time, by the time that the expansion draft does happen, we will know so much more about them. Um, like we'll know if like Trey Mann's gonna be a real guy, you know. Like right now, yeah. like, there's still so much theoretical. Like, can he, can he be truly an efficient player? Like, can he be an, a, a truly efficient offensive player? If he's not, then you probably don't protect him because defensively, he's never gonna be what Dort can be defensively. And if even Dort just like plateaus right here, like he's a helpful player that I think plays in the playoffs. If Trey Mann plateaus here. Like Trey Mann is an end of the bench player. Yeah. So we we still have a lot to learn about those two. And we and it's hard to project. Like we need to see what happens this summer with them. We need to see what happens at you know through next season. Um, but it still is an interesting conversation nonetheless. Uh, all right. That's it. Be sure to go to Lively Beer Works Thursday, Cinco de Mayo. Spend your Cinco de Mile with the L-Man and Deshaun at Lively Beer Works in downtown OKC. May 17th, mark your calendars. I've had a few people reach out to us asking if they need to get a reservation at the Jones. No. First come, first serve. Come early. There's going to be – it'll be – we'll be just hanging out. Like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people sitting at tables and stuff. I think it's going to be more of just like a hangout situation. Um, so – 
just uh just be there enjoy it or not enjoy it based on what happens with the results uh either way you're gonna have people around you that understand the situation all right uh thanks so much hope you guys have a good rest of your day and we'll talk to you guys again on friday As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.